Welcome to the Craft It Out podcast, where we cry while we laugh, or sometimes laugh until we cry. And this is something I like to call crafting. Hi, my name is Emerson Sauer, and whether you're laughing or crying, I'm so glad you're here. And if you're not, do better. Okay, so every week we have a new guest, and I've been trying to expand it and make it a little different and luckily for me I have a sister-in-law who just attracts trauma in her life and so her friends all have you know difficult experiences so thank you to Whitney for making this podcast last as long as it has and so my next guest is one of Whitney's really good friends and I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hi I am Amanda and yes Whitney has been a part of my life for since we were in first grade. So is that six, seven? I don't know, something like that. And uh, and then I have had some trauma. Um, so I am going to talk about my sister and my mom, and they are both addicts. And um, my, but um, yeah, so that has been a part of my life the whole time. So I guess I'm going to just answer some questions and tell our story about it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. We're all just learning here together, right? Yes. <laughs> but so you mentioned both your mom and sister. So I guess we'll first start with your mom. Um, when did her addiction start? What was that like growing up with a yeah. mom who was an addict? Yes. So my mom, so I haven't learned this until recently, you know, in my older years, because people don't tell you when you're young your mom has always had problems but I think as a child you always know like there's something weird going on um but I would say that it got really heavy um when I was in fifth grade and that's when um I think she got more into like meth using and um so and uh she didn't get really bad until I would say I was like 13 to 14 years old yeah right right in like the golden years right of like <laughs> you're already super awkward and now you have a hundred percent yeah and I uh it's really weird because when you are growing up with that stuff I don't think you like I would tell like you know Whitney or my friend Jamie like stuff that has happened and I sometimes don't even remember those stories but then like Whitney or Jamie will remind me so I think yeah like <laughs> like you're so awkward and you're like you're just trying to survive and if it's that heavy then you know you just keep on going so what like right this whole podcast is about grief and what it looks like for us and how we deal with it so while your mom was using what did that look make it look like for you in your life like how did it impact you know those important years of growing up um yes so my grief you know it's weird with addiction because you I don't know if you do it right away especially as a child like you are trying to parent your parent at that time and so you're always trying to be the hero trying to get them help them get clean and it's just you know it's a revolving door at that point um so I will say that sometimes I would really just act up, cry a lot, you know, but at the time I was like, well, I'm a teenager and I have a lot of emotions, but the older I've gotten and like at 25, it's not so cute when you're having a 
you know, <laughs> crying session and then you're still continuing. And so I would say in the last four years, I've done heavy like counseling and like EMDR. And so I've learned that, yeah, I, I'm just like everybody else. I try to turn it into humor and, you know, deal with it that way. But it also it does, you know, when you really get deep down, it is very heavy for me. And yeah, it's it like, yeah, it's the most awkward thing to talk about. And I've literally just within this year have started talking about my mom and my sister openly. So it's oh, not I feel talk. so honored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, usually I didn't want to be like correlated or I didn't want the whole like, I'm so sorry that happened. Or, you know, I was like, like, let's just not like bring it up. Like, it's okay you know so yeah. and it's still okay and, but I do understand that some people like to hear other people's stories so yeah and I guess this is just my journey yeah no I get the whole like pity thing I remember when I was oh so my mom made us all go to therapy right but the first year I just sat there in silence and my mom was like I am spending a hundred dollars an hour for you to be a little brat and just like <laughs> get Chick-fil-a afterwards <laughs> yeah. um but one of the big things I had to work through was uh, being vulnerable and recognizing that I might perceive it as pity, but people are really just trying to be empathetic. They just suck at it. Yeah. And like, I, yeah, no, I totally get the pity thing. So I'm just like, shut up. Like, I don't need it. Like, I'm going to go cry in this corner. You go out in the other room. I don't care. Just <laughs> get away and I'll be sad. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's very, it's awkward for them, right? Because the first words you want to say when someone tells you a sad story is like, I'm so sorry. But yeah. And then, like you said, like you have to deal with grief, I think, in your own way. And then with someone, so obviously I haven't lost them, but you do lose them um, in a different way. Um, like my mom and my sister will never be as close to me again because you have to draw a boundary at some point. And so you do grieve that. And when I talk to them, I would say like my mom's like a, unless it would like break her heart if she ever heard this, but she's like a distant aunt that you kind of keep afar, you know, like you still love them. You still care for them. And my sister, she's a whole nother story, but yeah, I haven't had contact with her in like two years, but she is also like a distant cousin, but like still very special in your heart, you know? So it's very hard to explain. I don't know if everybody would understand unless they've had to draw those boundaries. Yeah, I I didn't know that grief could come from other things besides death until last spring because I took a class and it was all about grief in its entirety. But so there's um, living losses and then like death losses, obviously. Yeah. So I don't think people realize like with addiction or um, mental illness which addiction is a mental illness and then like losing a home or losing a marriage like all of those things lead to grief like really any kind of trauma oh yeah it's gonna do that but right we just have in this little box like oh these are the five stages someone died it's so pretty and it works just like that but um yeah nothing about this is pretty at all but no yeah no and I still don't know, like, I've thought about this, like, probably weekly or something, like, if I get a phone call, like, how heavy will it be when, you know, they do pass, you know, because that is always an option, and, like, I told my counselor, like, it's weird that it would ever still affect me, you know, because, like, 
I, I'm safe. I'm an adult. Like, you know, like I've drawn those boundaries, but it's still a constant on your mind. And to think of people that you do care about and love that are sad and still living and struggling with something that's very heavy. I think so. Yeah. Like you said, like all these different parts are just so heavy on it. So how, so one thing we haven't, I haven't had anyone so far with like a stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mine is like, Oh, so sad. She was 18. Like she was a kid. Like, um, don't get it wrong. Taylor was, had her issues. Like she had her stuff, but because it was a child, right. It's like almost Correct. idolized. Mm-hmm. So, and everyone else has been very similar, but with addiction, there's such a strong stigma attached to it. How does that play a role in how you grieve or how you receive help from people? Yes. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. That is very hard. And I think that's why I didn't talk about it for so long because I still care about them and I don't want them to be judged at any point because I have always known that it's, they're not trying to hurt me per se. They're, they're hurting themselves, you know, like, like emotionally, not physically, obviously, but emotionally they're hurting. And I think it hurts them worse that they've hurt me. And the stigma with it is that I think people think it's like, you know, it's about them and like, and it's not. Um, And I think people think, I don't know. I don't know what everybody thinks, but what I've heard is that like people feel like they just made that option. And yes, you know, like, of course, they're the ones that first dug into that. Um, I'm only not an addict because I never tried it, you know, like, and I think that's a lot for a lot of people. And, but they just got sucked in. And with my mom, I don't know, my mom and my sister have very similar personalities since they were a child. Like, they just always kind of wanted to get in trouble. And, you know, if your mom's going to let you do this, then it's always painted a really bad picture on my sister. And yeah, they both, I'm sure they've been called all sorts of names and that does make me very sad for them. And I don't know, I wish that, because I personally don't want to be around drug users either. Like, it's not <laughs> like I'm like going to hanging out with them <laughs> because, you know, it's a very dangerous world. And uh, with drugs, obviously there's a lot of evil and a lot of crime and a lot of, you know, like they're not in their right mind. And so it's like, of course they need to have a stigma, like don't go diving into like <laughs> depths of drugs, you know, and trying to save everybody. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I just, I do know that whenever you do see a druggie, like, I don't think they thought it was going to be like that. I think they were going to do it for, you know, a couple times with their friends and it got too heavy. And, you know, I think it takes over them. Yeah. I just like, I'm not going to lie. I don't have any experience with addicts or anything. I just know like the dare week in elementary school, you know, like red ribbon week, like dare to not do drugs where you signed all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, um, the drug world is a whole nother world. And I, I mean, I have so many stories of like, you know, living in the meth house. And I think back in the day, I, 
I don't know if Whitney's like, I ever told you, sorry, we're to keep on talking about Whitney, but obviously she's a very big part of my childhood. And I, oh, I do have to say that when you're in that, to have good friends, like I did with my friend Whitney and Jamie and like my friend David, like I can go on and on. Those are the people that help you get out of it. So you have to have a good group of people, even though you have this wild home life. But if I had to paint a picture of how my life was, especially in seventh grade, um, my mom and my aunt were living there and 7,000 other people, which is so weird. Um, yeah. So it's like the drug world. Once they find a house that they can all live and all like cook it and do all their stuff. And then you're 13, 14 at the time trying to like, you know, go to school, act like it's not happening, but it, I would say that drugs are very stinky they're very harsh. Like, I don't know if you know that much about meth, but anything that you see on TV, I would say it might be worse, you know? Um, like at one point the paint was peeling off the walls because the meth chemicals are like so heavy. I was constantly sick. Um, so, and they have no morals <laughs> and they just, I, so it is a very awkward topic to think about and like to talk about because it's not my life anymore and I'm so happy but yeah so after that I had to live with my uncle because it just was no longer safe and so I think that's probably when the grief probably started happening you know like my mom's probably not gonna be my mom by then my sister got pregnant and then yeah so that's kind of where the very heavy stuff went so you, you were living in this, like, meth house. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really wild to think about. And, like, I remember the teachers would tell, like, my, like, Whitney's parents and Jamie's parents. This was just very devastating to me because they were, like, my safe heaven, you know? Like, I was like, okay, I have to keep these friends. And then the teachers and I think the principal took the parents and this is all hearsay. And this is also when I was in seventh grade. So I might be over-exaggerating, but I'm pretty sure this did happen where they said, like, don't let your kids hang out with Amanda because she's a bad influence. And like, at the time I was like, ah, like, I'm not doing it though, you know, but you are a part of that situation. And as a parent, like, if I knew a child was in that home, like, I'd be like, yeah, probably like, you know, that's not the best situation. <laughs> you know, right. she have a little bit of trouble coming her way, but I'm so thankful that they didn't do that for me. Like, you know, I'm obviously I think there's a bigger picture and I think uh even if people aren't religious, there has to be a higher power, you know? And I think like, you know, luckily like something was helping me out <laughs> on that part. And I do I believe in God and Jesus, so I'm like I'm pretty sure he was like, no, this girl needs this. <laughs> At least, you know, Winnie's always entertaining. Yeah. I mean, don't take these like semi-stable people away from her, right? Like, yeah. And I got to see like, you know, how normal families. And I was like, yes, that seems more ideal. Right. Other 17 year olds are like, or you said you were 13, right? Like middle school, seventh grade. Yeah. They're like learning how to cut an onion and you're like watching people like shoot it up yeah it's definitely a different experience for sure 
yeah yeah and yeah it's really really sad and scary and you know you fight a lot like you're like stop doing this to your mom and your sister and like you know like they would stay up all night and I would come home from school and then try to like wake up my mom and you know if she doesn't wake up like that's very scary but you like learn how to tell if people are breathing you know I have no like back then no medical background but you're like well I guess I can't really call anybody because you know then they're gonna get in trouble and that's also the hard part is that you don't want them to get in trouble but obviously that's probably what should happen right. so that's also the stigma with it is that Did- so I'm assuming, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I love being corrected. But when you like were grieving, right? When you eventually got to the point where you realized like that's what you're going through and you went through that, started that process. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, right? The idea of a quote, normal childhood was part of that, of like something you grieved or did you, was it more just like the after? Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I didn't realize that's what I was grieving, though. Like, I would have loved to, like, you know, have my mom, like, dress me up for my dance or, like, you know, like, or when you go through your dramatic breakups when you're in high school, (laughs) you know, like, I was taught no, in no situation, a healthy relationship. And I think that's affected me, you know, still to this day, like, and um I I do it's crazy because I do talk about this part a lot I never have been jealous of any of my friends but I have always wanted what they have with their parents like you know like that would be so cool to like just call your mom the first thing you get in your car and just cry about your day you know like or something exciting like most people are like I want to call my mom like this just happened and that rocks and but yeah I haven't I never had that, but I do have good friends. So I guess like that kind of takes, you know, some of it away, but I do wish that was a part of it. And with my sister, I don't know. Sibling relationships are just as important. I feel like they're your little best friends. <laughs> you want to true. I like yeah. make the fact that my siblings are my only friends, my whole personality here at college. So I yeah. would that's really important. Yeah. How so how much of an age difference is there between you and your sister? Uh, like two years, two and a half. Okay. So you were like 13 and she was 15-ish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, we've talked a little bit about your mom, but what was like your sibling relationship? What did the addiction do to that? Oh, yeah. So my sister was like, are you the youngest, right? Yeah, I'm the baby. Yeah. So my sister, I don't know if you felt like this, but I just thought my sister was like the prettiest, the coolest, like knew how to do all the things. She was my very best friend. Like we literally would want to share bedrooms together, like sleep in the same bed. Like she was like, yeah, my go-to person. But um, yeah, so, but like I said, she always wanted to get in trouble. And then um, I feel like when she was like 13 14 so she's very young when she started she started like I'm pretty sure she started smoking marijuana around those ages maybe even 12 and then the boy situation because she was very pretty like the boys started coming and then 
I know that around when she was 14, it had to be when she was 14, she started using, and then it's 15, she got pregnant, and then she had her first kid. And so I do remember we were like sitting there one time and I was like looking at her because, you know, we would like bond over like, you know, mom and dad are fighting again, you know, or like whatever. And our mom is acting crazy or whatever. And then she started doing the same stuff. And I remember like laying like on her lap, just like crying, asking her like, why are you going to do this to yourself? Like, you know how this goes. And like, I remember her being like, yeah, no, this isn't going to happen to me. Like, I'm just having fun right now. And so, yeah, that was really hard to let go. And I always have like craved that sister bond again. I'm sure I don't, I mean, I'm not like relating her to Taylor at any means, but I'm sure you could relate. Like, it'd be nice to just call, you know, but yeah, I, for sure. I, and sometimes not that it makes it harder, but like, it's hard to know that she's still there, but like, I have no relationship with her. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that. Like when you said, I'm just having fun. I'm like, man, what is up with like sisters and that being their famous last words like that? Let's change the tagline here. (laughs) I am not about that statement anymore. Exactly. And I mean, I guess to be the youngest, like go for us because now we can learn lessons from them but yeah it's not how we wanted it to be like I'm because do you have any other sisters I don't think nope it's just me and Taylor okay and the boys yeah Yeah, and so I'm sure you feel the same like I would love to call my sister and like let her know that this happened you know the same as like your mom or anybody else like she's I'm sure was like a big impact and yeah that's the same with my sister right like I, so I have a lot of roommates, like I've lived with a lot of different girls in the past three years, like sometimes it's fun, sometimes it isn't, but a lot of times they bring up their sisters, right, and they, their sisters now as adults are best friends, and it's been like 10 years and it still makes me so sad. I remember we went on a camping trip and everyone was talking about fighting with their sisters, and I was like, yeah, I mean, sometimes I fight with Taylor, but people look at me weird when I do it because <laughs> like, she's dead, but yeah, so it it's hard. And I don't think people realize like in any situation, whether they're still there and just not a part of your life or whether they're gone is like that sisterly bond, like it, it doesn't go away. Like the desire to have it doesn't go away. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And yeah, same thing. Like, yeah, I can argue with Jessica all I want. Like, I get so mad at her, you know, still. So it does, it, everyone does bring up their sisters. And then you see, like, you know, movies and stuff. Like, it's like, that would be great. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's just our journey. I don't know why, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. Especially, I feel like, being an adult. Like, when I think, for me. When I think of Taylor, like I go back to being 10 and idolizing her. Like it doesn't matter that I'm 22 now and she would be like 29. It's still that same relationship. And so it's hard to see like, oh man, like what could have been, but I'll always be that 10 year old, like wishing we were best friends, you know? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is so true. Um, 
yeah, and I'm I don't know if this is how you feel, but I feel sad for my sister that she didn't get to experience some of the stuff that I have because of her life choices. And like so sometimes like when I am like doing something, and I guess this goes for my mom too, like I get caught off guard because I'm like, wow, like I get to live this like amazing life and like that part makes me very sad too like that they just dug this awful hole for themselves and when I say that I mean it with all the compassion but like you know they still did make those decisions and they haven't reached out for help or you know like so that's yeah you feel about Taylor like when you're in college or yeah. yeah, no, I, my freshman year, so Taylor was 19 when she died, and so I turned 19, like, three weeks after my freshman year ended of college, and I just remember, it's only been since then, I've had, like, this weird survivor's guilt of, like, oh, I get to graduate, and I get to make all these memories, and, like, she didn't, which is so weird, right, because it's not our fault, it's not, but being, like, the last one standing in a way yeah it, it does there's a guilt that comes with it that no one really talks about I think oh yeah yeah I agree and it makes it doesn't take away the joy but it does make the situations heavier <laughs> at some points like you're like mm, okay anyways let's think about this right because this is my present moment yeah <laughs> so I try not to let myself get like that and Hopefully, you know, that's something that I guess we will grow from, but, and have more compassion for other people. My mom, uh, I hate to admit it, but she's a pretty smart lady. And she always says that um, when she does texting and driving presentations, you know, like driver's ed classes, high schools talk about Taylor. And she always says there's happy moments, like there's a ray of sunshine, but there's always a little storm cloud just right over it. Exactly. That's totally how I see the situation too. So those are good, better words than I said. I know she, she's, she was a communications major, so we can give it to our guests. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, your mom is amazing. I've heard some really awesome stories about her. We, we don't want to make her head too big, but <laughs> so how have you found using humor to help you through a lot of this because it's so heavy it's can get dark how do you find jokes and laugh through it yeah um I don't know it doesn't like trauma make everybody more funny like you know that's what I always say (laughs) yeah um so I guess like I don't know until I'm in the moment but like Whitney always like brings up the story but like I can bring up like how okay so this is kind of awkward but I've seen someone like literally get stabbed in the face you know and like (laughs) yeah and so this is like stuff that I usually don't like share with everybody like hey like you know but like I can make that so light and lighthearted. obviously during the time no that was very terrifying um and then you know like your mom like my mom one time oh my gosh this is so awful but okay one time my mom had all this like meth like tons of meth and like she's fighting with this guy like whatever like trying to like you know break his windshield it's crazy 
And like, I felt bad. Like I was like trying to carry drugs for her, you know, as a 14 year old girl. And like, now I can like look back and laugh, but it's not funny during the time, you know, and it's not funny ever. But like, I just feel like sometimes your life feels like a movie and like, you're just like, you're present, but you're just like watching yourself like at the same time. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> the way you were able to say it so casually, like, oh, yeah, I just watched a guy get stabbed in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No big deal. Yeah, and I I don't know. And it's probably part of, like, what we were stating earlier. Like, I don't want the sympathy. Like, okay, like, yes, those were all very traumatic instances. But I think I've worked through, you know, those kind of things. I think I'm still, like, working through, like, not having the relationship. But, like you know the situations like are bizarre and like crazy and like sometimes when I'm saying them out loud I'm like am I making this up but I'm not (laughs) I promise this stuff did happen (laughs) like it was yeah and one time I remember we were I was living or moving in with my uncle or something and some reason Whitney was with me and we had to go to this like part of Marcine and my uncle told Whitney he said Whitney you have to stay in the car because it's not safe but like then she's like well you're letting Amanda and he's like she's the only one safe here and like you know because it's like drugs for the most part usually bring gang activity you know and so then like you have to like intertwine those unfortunately and so yeah so that was (laughs) that but like even that like Whitney still laughs like oh how could you get out in this like trailer park place and I couldn't (laughs) I'm like I guess he's upset just you're not tough enough lit the one time I'm tougher than her I'm just like picturing a gang in Marsing Idaho (laughs) just I know yeah seeing cowboy hats like branding going on yeah picture it yeah I wish it was like that but unfortunately (laughs) it wasn't um yeah no those it seems so weird, yeah, but, like, I would say if you think of, like, the trashiest places over by Sunny Slope, you probably oh. should stay away from those places. Um, I worked on Sunny Slope all summer, okay. and yeah. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, the that's what I'm talking about. Picture yep. there, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, and nothing against them. That's their culture. They gotta do what they gotta do, but I'm glad I'm away, <laughs> and I don't want to be the safe person, you know, when I go over there. <laughs> Yeah, Whitney can get out of the car next time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, wait, we'll try. We'll see how she does. (laughs) If I'm awkward during this, I wanted to apologize to everybody, but I don't usually talk about this stuff. And the crazy thing is, is that I don't think a lot of my friends know all this stuff either. So very close friends probably don't know any of this either. So if I'm very awkward, I have to apologize. They can get over it. They have to deal with me, so they'll be fine. Like okay. the 12 listeners. The 12 listeners, yeah. It's it's interesting, though, because when I... So the first episode, right, is all about me because I'm selfish and I love being the center of attention. And so, but when I sent it out, I had, like, multiple friends text me and was like, I didn't know any of that. Like, one of my cousins was like, I didn't know that that was your experience at all. But for some reason, it's a lot easier to, like, talk to myself in this, like, weird looking microphone then talk to our friends sometimes oh, I don't yeah. know and you don't want to like bring down the mood like mood like 
I guess that's good to like know too. Like everybody's going through stuff, and like sometimes when they're like being a brat or something, it's not because they're actually being a brat. It's like they're trying to go through other things, and so yeah, I think that's a good lesson overall about your podcast. Is like people go through really heavy stuff. Right, and some people are better at hiding it than others. Because I feel like there's times in my life no one would have known that anything was wrong. And then there's other times where I'm like multiple pictures of me brooding in a corner, just looking like I hate the world. But yeah. I just played off as, you know, being 13. So yeah, get over it. Like you're like, I was just the emo sister at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely been there. Yeah. And then they meet me now and they're like, you aren't like that. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So my sister actually was dead. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, yeah, not funny, but funny. <laughs> yeah, I just that's what I've learned. And my roommate Abby, I did an episode with her, and we talk about it a lot of how um, we make jokes because it makes us feel better, and how really the only people it bothers is other people in the room because they're uncomfortable. Correct. But that's how I know who my friends are going to be because if they laugh, they've probably equally had something bad happen to them. So I just make it my goal to be friends with only them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. Just like, I guess you're saying like with Whitney, like just people with trauma, like, you know, yeah, it can, it does make people feel uncomfortable, I think, but it also it's good to let it out any way that you can let it out, I guess. Right. I think I listened to one of your mom's podcasts, like where she said that, like, you know, you just cry for a moment and then like. I listened to your podcast at one point, <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, and like she said, like, you know, and then you just go on with the day, and I was like, that's good, yeah, that's how you should do it, like, you know, just cry about the situation instead of just holding it in. So back to your experience and your story, how you mentioned earlier that you have had to set boundaries, so for anyone who's listening who has loved ones who are addicts or recovering addicts or whatever it may be, how did you set those boundaries and how do you keep them and how does that impact your grief? Yes. Um, so I don't know if I've ever told them that I was setting boundaries, but I did like, um, so I would say I lived with my uncle and then I moved with my mom to California and we lived there for about seven ish months, my freshman year. And then, um, her boyfriend drives all the way up to California, picks us up, and then we go back to Idaho. And then my mom, I was at my mom and my aunt's house, and it's crazy. Uh, you know, druggies don't want you to go to school. <laughs> like, you're like, I'm just trying to get an education. I really wanted to be back with my core friends, so I wanted to go back to Homedale. And my mom just had no interest of, like, trying to get me into school. Anyways, uh, I always would be sick, you know, I'd have migraines. I can't believe, you know, in a meth house, I would have, you know, <laughs> migraines. Like, that's just crazy. Or I'd be throwing up. Like, how is that a thing? Anyways, so, like, I was sick once again, like, so sick of smoke. Um, my sister was there. My cousin at the time, or he's still my cousin. My cousin, he <laughs> was there. So all my, like, really close loved ones I've grown up with, you know, they're all, like, doing drugs and I just had it like I was 14 it was middle of winter I think maybe I was 15 at this time it was middle of winter and I called my dad he's a long-haul truck driver and I said 
I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going somewhere and I'm leaving here. And so I just told them all, like, I'm so disappointed, so hurt. You guys can't get it together. I'm always sick because of your guys' habits and I'm leaving. And I was, so then I just left. And luckily I have this stepmom that's an angel. Um, and at the time her and my dad only went for two dates. But she, my dad called her and was like, my daughter's walking around this area. Will you please go pick her up? And so she picked me up. And I would say that's when I started, like, letting go of them at that point. It was like, and then um, now I haven't seen my mom in probably four to five years. And then my sister... I didn't talk to her for about five years-ish, and then we reconnected, and then she has her situation, and so I haven't now talked to her. We were probably getting pretty close, at least on the phone, you know, again, but then she, then I had to, or she now is hopefully still clean. I don't know. I haven't talked to her, but she was clean at the time, and that's why I let her back in my life. But she is dating or married, I don't know, one of those, um, to a really bad drug addict. And he is very dangerous. So I have no contact with her. And so that's another thing with drug addicts. They have no self-confidence to get out of situations. And she has been through a lot. And I think one, she probably has brain damage. You know, if you do meth when you're 14 on up, like you're going to have brain damage. She's been in very abusive relationships. And so, and she has six kids. And so, you know, she has a very heavy, heavy load on her and I don't know if she'll ever get out of it. So anyways, my boundary with her is just drawn. I don't know what I will do if she tries to enter my life again, because the last time it was like all those emotions coming back of like, you know, being a child and getting left again. And then my mom, I think she just, this is really weird, but I think she understands that I had to draw that, which she's very selfish. <laughs> like that's what drugs do. And so, um, she, she'll call me like probably every three to four months, you know, it wouldn't be weird if we didn't talk for six months, but when she does talk to me, it's always about sicknesses, you know, how to go to the doctor for this and this and this. Um, but I'm like, of course, you know, if you're heavy smoker, do drugs, I'm not sure what else she does, you know, for the last 40 years of your life, you're going to be a little, have a little sicknesses. So I haven't necessarily had to draw the boundaries where like they're always coming over or anything. I've been really, I guess, I think I'm really blessed in that part that they haven't tried to bring that into my adult life. That's 14 is a really young, like, or 14 or 15 to say like, Hey, I'm done. Like, see ya. I don't know. Yeah. I'm 22 and I still call my mom like four times a day saying like, Hey, how long can this be in the crock pot for? <laughs> like, Hey, how do I actually stink? My so I just, it's impressive that you're able to do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm very lucky though, because I have, you know, my stepmom was there. She was a very big part of my life. And then I also have like a cousin, but kind of like an aunt because she's old enough, but I also have her. And so 
I think having those kind of relationships have like softened the hardness of it because I'm sure like I mean I don't know what I really would have done that night if like if my stepmom didn't like come at that time but it was just a random lady I, I never met her before then so we always like <laughs> joke about like I'm so desperate I just get in this vehicle <laughs> with this lady and then all of a sudden she's driving me to Homedale you know <laughs> like that's a little random that in itself is like a sketchy story possibly (laughs) yeah luckily it ended well (laughs) yeah and it's I love though that throughout this whole time we've been talking you've mentioned like multiple people um that have helped you through it and I think that's something that's super important for anyone experiencing any type of grief or trauma that you need people who support and love you in your life and I think I have a bad habit of someone's going through something. I'm like, hey, let me know when you need me. But in reality, we just need to be the type of people who are like, here, here's dinner. Here, I'm taking you out and being more of action oriented. And I think that's cool about all the people in your story is that they all did that. Like, right, your stepmom had only been dating your dad for like, what, two dates? And she's like, yeah, I'll pick up your daughter, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, that is a good lesson and I've actually never thought about it until you just said that like so that's a good observation of that because I've done the same thing like yeah like not because you always want to give people space right like if they need you but like there's also times when I think people don't know how to say they need something something you know just an act of kindness can go a long ways I think yeah I think it's a fine line for sure because like contradicting myself because I also hate when someone is like I'm doing this for you and I'm like get the away from me like (laughs) let me just bleep myself out like get away I don't want your help but the people who really matter in our lives they know like they know what we need my mom calls me out all the time or like even Whitney like these people reach out and they know and so I just think you use your best judgment because it's a fine line for sure yeah Definitely. Yep. I agree. Well, Amanda, is there anything else you want to say to our four listeners here at Craft It Out? <laughs> is it Craft It Out, the name? Craft, yeah, like laugh, cry. Oh, I like that. That's good. That's very smart. Uh, no, but I do think if anybody's struggling with someone that's an addict, um, I do think it might have a stigma so deep you know like everybody has a stigma and feels like other people can't relate but I think it's more common nowadays and so I think you have a lot more people and you really aren't alone in it whether you're an addict or trying to get out of it or you're a family member of just trying to deal with that um so I think if you just reach out that's like the most important and therapy is a very great thing. <laughs> I think a lot of people need to go to it. Oh yeah, I'd say everyone at least once. It's yeah, a hundred percent. Yep, I agree. Life well, change. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. Yeah, <laughs> and like very nice to meet you. hear these stories about Whitney too, and yeah, the crazy life you've lived. It does sound like a movie. You should like um, patent it or something, like okay. the life of Amanda. <laughs> yeah and then I would have four people watching it (laughs) yes we would have a total of eight viewers all together 
Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, guys. And as always, you know the drill. Be nice to someone this week. Make someone laugh. Make someone cry. This week, I've been trying to do better at the laughing one and less the crying one. But who knows? My mood changes by the second. But thank you again for listening. Be sure to like and share. Go follow the Craft It Out podcast on Instagram. And have a good day. Bye. Ha <laughs> <laughs>